0: welcome to what's left to do i'm your host janelle Well, my little goons and goblins, your darling host is setting out to interview more lefty peeps all across the country. My first stop on the inaugural Tour de Pod was Southern California, where I had the pleasure of sitting down with today's guest. In honor of April being Sexual Assault Awareness Month, here's my interview with Roz. She's a board member of the Me Too Foundation and an activist working toward a world free from gender-based violence and violations of bodily autonomy. and Silas. from <laughs> <laughs> From Exeter, New uh, Hampshire. <laughs> Roz is in the house. Say what's up to the people, Roz.
1: Hey, everybody. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. Yeah. You know, with everything. I mean,
0: you can if you want to. This oh, is I could. The time <laughs> hit, so please, we'll get into get it. it out. We will get into <laughs> it. But we'll start off positive. There we you go. Uh, you are a board member, I think, of the Me Too Foundation. Is that correct? Yeah. And also, yeah. you do work on. Uh, is the correct term menstrual equity?
1: I'm so glad you asked. Okay, um, the there's tip? so many different terms that we can use mm-hmm. and we can dig more into this term specifically later. Mm-hmm. But the term that I use for my specific work is menstrual freedom. Ah. Okay. Yes. We're going to, you're going to, have to tell me what that means when we get there. Yes, we will get there okay. because it's completely new. So, ah, okay. Yes. All right.
0: Um so before we get into <laughs> before we get into menstrual freedom, mm-hmm. I want you to take me back to the what I presume was a very tawny upbringing in Exeter. If it wasn't tawny, you can tell me to fuck off. But, <laughs> <laughs> but take me back to the beginning. How did a, how did Roz come to form? Tell me about your, tell me what it was like growing up in New Hampshire.
1: Yeah, I moved to New Hampshire when I was uh, three years old. So From I, where? From Worcester, but I was Worcester mass. mass. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I was originally born in Sacramento. Oh, California. So, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So full circle. Mm-hmm. I'm back here now, mm-hmm. but, um, my whole childhood, I was in Exeter and I had, you know, two parents of attorney and a doctor. They're still alive. I shouldn't say had, <laughs> they're still here. <laughs> um, and they were always, um, very, very keen on you know challenging me intellectually and pushing me they were they're very brilliant people so mm-hmm. um i always was trying to kind of keep up with them mm-hmm. and um be on their playing field in terms of you know what we what we talked about what we engaged in those sorts of things mm-hmm. and i have not always been this version of raws definitely not huh. um what do you mean when you say that i when I was, you know, growing up as a kid, I would classify myself as um, very confused and confused how about who I was. It took me a very long time to find my voice and to kind of understand who I am and to not be ashamed of who I am. Hmm. From a very very young age, I internalized this message that as someone. Who was assigned female at birth, I had to shrink myself Mm. and always be smaller in order to accommodate specifically people who are men Mm -hmm. around me. Where'd you get that message from? It felt like everywhere. Really? It felt like in the home, outside of the home. Yeah, Hmm. it felt like culturally. Um, you know, academically, hmm. in my interactions with people, even from a very young age, I kind of just felt like this is the box that I am supposed to fit in. Really,
0: even though your your mother is a professional,
1: yes, huh? Okay. Um, and it never came; it never felt like I was, you know, getting a direct message. It always felt very indirect and very yeah. like kind it was of just like the covert. ambient
0: background noise of
1: your upbringing. Yeah. Huh. And when, um, big trigger warning for people that have eating disorders but Mm -hmm. when I was six years old that was when I first showed signs of disordered eating Ah. and it was I I like remember this moment so clearly Mm -hmm. because no six-year-old should ever say this but I was talking with my babysitter and I was so proud of this which Mm. is the fucked up part Mm. I was so proud of this I was like I'm getting thinner as a 6-year-old as a 6-year-old and she looked Whoa. at me like what is wrong with you? Huh. Are you kidding me? Huh. You're 6. Yeah, yeah. And she yeah. was like no, you need to eat more and then just kind of was like what the fuck? Right, <laughs> like, right, right. And um when I was 14, it spiraled into um anorexia and bulimia. Ah. And then when I was 18, I got a formal diagnosis. Oh, so wow. it went on for about 12 years um and I'm sure people knew, they just didn't say anything. Sure. That's kind of, and I, I, that's not something that I hold any resentment or bitterment towards. It's just the way that things went. Mm-hmm. Um, but it- Do you think, can I ask a question? Oh, of course, yeah.
0: Do, do you think that your, do you think that a part of what contributed to the disordered eating was, was you were literally trying to shrink yourself?
1: Oh yeah. You understand what I'm saying? You oh, like yeah.
0: you, the internalization of you know this idea of i am assigned female at birth that means i must be small relative to others particularly i think what you were saying was men yes um is like is 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 literally taking up less space in yes. the world like uh, mm-hmm, exactly mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. yes and um i can't exactly pinpoint like particularly where those messages were coming from or like who they were coming from Mm -hmm. it felt like everywhere and that's probably because they were like the loudest voices in my head Mm. and I did physically like want to just take up as little space as possible Mm. and even as a child even as yeah and it it was very odd because like there was definitely a turning point Mm -hmm. where it was like, I'm loud, I'm opinionated. I Mm. have, you know, a quick wit and I have a really sharp tongue. And then nope, not anymore. I turned it off. Really? (laughs) It, I, I can remember that. And I think a lot of people that were close to me probably didn't pick up on what was happening, Mm. but it, it was this very, deep internalization of this patriarchal message that you need to be smaller and mm-hmm. you need to stop um, taking up this space that is rightfully owed to people that are you know cishet men
0: but so so you're saying you were i just want to make sure i'm understanding you're of saying course. you were you were loud you had a quick wit, wit you had a big personality up until the age of 6 and then that got that got shut down it kind of just gradually hmm. over time Didn't
1: become part of me anymore or I pushed it down got you and um a lot of the work that I do kind of on my own Mm -hmm. outside of the public eye right now Mm -hmm. um is inner child work Uh (laughs) you know uh really getting in touch with that young person and understanding like what they needed to be given Uh that I denied them or that others denied them not placing any blame just situation situationally what happened Um, so that's that's a lot of the work that I do now but I took the opportunity to be like okay I have an eating disorder Mm -hmm. okay I've had really toxic and emotionally abusive relationships what's the political aspect of this like Hmm. what about the political nature of the world made me susceptible to these things was it just did you only think of that in terms of
0: Political or, or social as well? Like, the, what were the social dynamics that also give 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 these things a place to root? Mm. Or tell me what you mean by political, and then we'll see if there was a social component.
1: I started looking at, like, what I had personally experienced mm-hmm. and what people that I was close to were experiencing mm-hmm. and putting it in the context of the broader world and the different... Can you try and describe that to me? Yeah, and I was... I The way that I can best relate it to like you know growing up with an eating disorder and you know working on it and working with it Mm -hmm. was that you know I once I understood like what patriarchy was Mm -hmm. I was like oh the things feed you messages you know these different systems are set up and they feed people messages Mm -hmm. and then once those messages reach a certain point and they saturate you to a certain amount, you start to play out those messages in your relationships and Mm. in your, in your personal life and in all of the different aspects of who you are. Mm -hmm. And once I was like, Oh, I, I wasn't just, you know, absorbing these different things. I was also indoctrinated into these different systems Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. from a very young age. And, at that point, I was. It was kind of like an aha moment, and I was like, "Oh, it's not my fault that mm-hmm. these different things happen. It's uh-huh. not my fault that, you know, I, you know, developed anorexia, I developed bulimia, that I was sexually assaulted. It's not my fault that mm. these things happen. Sure, it's part of a broader picture that affects everybody mm-hmm. in a different aspect and in a different, um, you know, specific way. Mm-hmm. But having that, like broader picture as a step back mm-hmm. helped me feel more comfort in the fact that I wasn't alone and ah. that there was a lot more community than I thought.
0: Because you as an you were not uniquely experiencing these things, but because of the broader, uh, in your words, political system of just about everyone is susceptible to them and for some people, that susceptibility results in eating disorders or disordered eating, um, and or uh, sexual abuse and or mental health issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Am I understanding that correctly?
1: Yeah. Okay. When I think about who I was when I was a kid, when I was growing up, I I feel a lot of sorrow because all I want to do is go back and just like hold that person Ah. and be like, I know it was really rough. Mm -hmm. I know you didn't know who you were. Mm -hmm. I know you couldn't really speak your truth yet you were finding your voice something was blocking it it's okay Mm -hmm. it's really okay Uh, and uh. to just like nurture that person Mm -hmm. the way that they deserve to be Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's my uh my job now and my obligation to myself now to Mm -hmm. really pour that nurture and care that my younger self would have wanted Mm -hmm. onto my current self Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. and some days that's really really easy and other days it's It's the hardest possible thing so that's (laughs) that's kind of the broad scheme of things is Mm -hmm. for, you know, a while I felt like, you know, when you're a kid, you feel like you're unstoppable. Mm. You feel like there's the entire world in front of you. Mm -hmm. And at some point a switch flips. Mm -hmm. And for me that switch, you know, flipped rather gradually, but there was a very clear marker between, you know, when things felt like I could accomplish anything versus, who I was after I internalized all these messages and they started to have an impact. I see. I see. Were you the only child growing up? I am the middle child. Ooh. I have an older brother Mm -hmm. and a younger sister Mm -hmm. and they are both, fantastic support systems oh, they excellent. are incredible mm-hmm. they are smart they are kind mm-hmm. and they are super fierce mm. so how do you
0: th- i mean they're not to make a gross generalization but a lot of people who are middle children i'm a middle child oh uh, nice. <laughs> how do you uh, how, what was your experience experience of being a middle child you understand what i'm saying you know oh, the, yeah. the, like people talk about middle
1: child syndrome like oh yes what was what was that like i for think you? i definitely had that um, slash have it yeah yeah sure sure <laughs> (laughs) Um, I don't, I, my intention is not to speak ill of either of my siblings or any parenting. No, 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 no. I, my brother's just like probably one of the most talented people I've ever met. Mm. Like naturally just raw talent Mm. academically, um, professionally, Mm -hmm he's just so good mm-hmm. at what he does mm-hmm. he's he's an attorney now mm-hmm. um and and that that ta- his his
0: natural his quote natural talents were evident as a child oh yes mm-hmm. yes
1: he was a phenomenal student mm. he was always you know excelling top of his class mm-hmm. always doing incredible things mm-hmm. and my parents were very very clear and i cannot be um I cannot express enough how grateful I am for them saying this, but they always said, you don't have to be him. You do not have to be him. You you are you. Uh But you still felt like you were in his shadow. Not necessarily. I just kind of felt like I want to be able to do whatever he does. Okay. And Mm -hmm. if I can't do it, Mm. then I'm going to find a way to do something else and do it my way. Uh Academically, I felt like I was always one step behind. Mm. I was a good student. Mm -hmm. um, And... I think a lot of that was just like anxiety. It was like, I, I need to be a good student because uh, I need to be good at something, uh, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I was a good student. I was not good at anything related to STEM. Hmm. I, I really did not do math or science well mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't the case with him. He was good at everything mm-hmm. academically. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I don't understand. I can't, my brain doesn't work this way. Sure. Like I can't do you know, I can't do these algorithms, I can't do economics, I can't do any of these graphs or plots sure. or whatever. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was always more of a literary and, you know, liberal arts person, mm-hmm. but he was also really, really good at mm-hmm. STEM mm-hmm. and math and science. And I was kind of like, I just I just wanna read and write poems all sure. day. That's sure. all I wanna sure. do. Sure. Um and that I, I don't think I ever considered it to be like I have to measure up to Alex but I was kind of like I'm not good at this and it's hard to watch someone else be just so naturally ah, good at it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and be like I can't do that right. and it's hard not to measure yourself against sure. that even if everyone around you is like it's fine you're yeah. you yeah. he's him mm-hmm. be, like be you mm-hmm. and I still was just like I suck at everything. Mm. You know, that was the message that I took away from that and mm. what I turned back onto myself. I see, I see. What was your sister like? Oh or my god, is, my sister was, is, is My sister is braver and stronger than I am in so many ways. What do you mean? <laughs> she is She is the type of person where she's like that's not good for me. I don't want it and nor do I want it in my space at all ever she's really good at setting boundaries Mm -hmm. and being like absolutely the fuck not Mm -hmm. like that's not that's not acceptable Mm -hmm. that's not good for me Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna have it Mm -hmm. she's so good at just being like no this is what I deserve Mm -hmm. and this is what I don't and I'm never ever going near what I don't Uh, uh, yeah um I was very protective of her when we were Mm -hmm. um when we were younger Mm -hmm. and I also feel um I I feel so much I I don't know if the right word is maternal but I feel a big like motherly you know instinct instinct mm. around her yeah. I'm kind of like I wish I what I want to do even though this is this is kind of impossible and not something that I should set myself up for what I would want to do and what I did want to do for a long time was just shield her from all of the things that I experienced that were negative or damaging because or you thought that she
0: nested, you thought that because she was a girl that she was also going to experience those things?
1: I did. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm.
0: And I was Why? Why did you think that she was going to have to experience the exact same things in life that you did that I presume you did that you wanted that you did not want to happen to her and that's why you shielded her.
1: Yeah. Um I guess I I had this notion when I was younger that um you know, if you are a girl, you will get fucked over. You will, as a child, you yeah, understand, huh? Yeah, and I, I was like, based, based on my experiences, mm-hmm. I was like, girls get fucked over by people. What, does that, what they, did that mean in your mind as a child? Um,
0: like they get overlooked, they, get, they, don't, they don't get taken seriously, they get ignored, they, get, they are hidden, they are ripe for, for uh, abuse,
1: like what did that yeah. mean as a child to you? To me that meant a lot of a lot of those things mm-hmm, yes mm-hmm. Um, it meant that people weren't going to take either of us seriously. Mm. People were going to sexualize us mm. and see our sexuality as our only attribute huh. and that uh, we would be abused mm. emotionally, physically, sexually mm. that was. I genuinely was like, that's just what happens to girls in this world. And it took me a really long time to be like, no, 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 no. (laughs) That's not the reality. And nor should that be the reality. Like, yes, a lot of people experience all of those things. But that doesn't mean that that's how things should go just Mm. because that's who you are. Mm. Do you think she
0: developed her personality in response to in response to your motherly instinct? mm,
1: Toward her? I don't think so. Hmm. I do think that she watched me go through some pretty messed up shit. Mm. And I think, I'm assuming, we've talked about a lot of these things, but I'm kind of assuming uh, that she saw all of this happen when I was, you know, either in my teens or very early 20s. Hmm and i think she was like i will never let that happen to me oh that's because look what it did to my older sister i see i and she's always been you know like 1000% supportive mm-hmm, she's mm-hmm. like you like this person hurt you mm-hmm. like let's I'll I'll fuck them up. Like, yep. like I'll We riding out the Yeah, literally. Uh-huh. She'll be like, okay, I have some addresses. And I'm like, Marissa, <laughs> oh my God. Don't say that. <laughs> I mean, it's not out loud. Hmm. Um, but she's always been super supportive. But I think she kind of developed this I again, I'm I'm not I don't want to speak for her, but sure. I have seen her develop this hard outer shell and it makes me very proud mm-hmm. because I'm like, Yeah, it, I wish that I had that. Mm-hmm. And if I was able to show or you know just lead by example Mm -hmm. in that regard then I'm glad that it led to you not being in the situations that I was in Hmm, and there were definite moments where I felt like I kind of reached in and like plucked her back from Mm -hmm. a place that could have gotten really dark Uh, and those were hard moments because in those moments that I did that I had to kind of put away my own um burdens that I was carrying or anything that I needed to work through I put it aside and I would be like whatever needs to be done to get mm-hmm. you out of this place I'll do mm-hmm. and she's told me like those are really happy memories for mm-hmm. me like those mm-hmm. make me proud to be your sister because mm-hmm. in that moment I was like you have my back and mm-hmm. you really went in and went to bat for me and I'm like I'm really happy you feel that way they weren't necessarily happy memories for me because I saw my sister in pain. Mm. And while you were in pain, I was also in pain, but Mm. I felt yours was so much more important because I had the chance to make sure that nothing Ah. I experienced Mm. happened to you. Mm, 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 mm.
0: What was the story about going from Sacramento to Worcester to Exeter? Like what was the situation there? Like were Mm. you guys moving for, was one of your parents moving for work, both of them? Like what was... But why were they bouncing around? Tell me tell me how we got to Exeter.
1: Yeah. Um, so this is just a fun fact about my parents. They plan everything huh. okay. down to the minute. Okay. Um, <laughs> and my brother was born after my dad finished his masters. Oh, master's. I was born after my dad finished med school. There's a picture of me. Oh. Like... It, walking across the stage with my dad I'm oh, in his normal. arms and uh-huh. he's like got his cap and gown and everything he got a like a master's of public health he got a master's in public health and, and then, then he got then, a med degree uh-huh. and then he did his residency and my sister was born at the end of the residency gotcha meticulously planned gotcha. yeah of course so your mom's not crazy <laughs> no definitely not and she's working too so sure she's you know got all, all this other stuff to worry about yeah. so uh, we were in California and my dad went to school there to get his master's and for med school so mm-hmm. we lived in Davis mm-hmm. And then after I was born, my mom was like, all of my family lives in the East Coast, Mm -hmm. and I I want to be there. Yeah, Yeah. Uh And basically all of my dad's family lived on the East Coast, too. Oh, okay. So we moved to Worcester, and my dad did his residency. Mm -hmm. Marissa was born. Mm -hmm. And then my parents both found really good jobs um, in their respective fields mm. in New Hampshire. Okay. So, But the really fun fact, mm. oh, my God, no, is no. that my parents lived in Vermont before they moved out to California. Mm-hmm. And my mom was a licensed attorney this entire time, mm-hmm. which means that she passed the bar in Vermont, California, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire. Hey. She passed the bar four different yeah, times. Mama's Just a- like t- – you know setting the scene for like these are the parents i have they're yeah. not slackers no. <laughs> they set the bar extremely high, high. yeah yeah like so, some people don't even pass the bar once one in one she passed place, it four yeah. times okay. and she was pregnant three out of the four times wow, wow, like wow, wow, what wow. in the world yeah that's right <laughs> so yeah, <it's laughs> that's just that's that mm-hmm.
0: long answer to your question no no, no. That's, <laughs> listen we do long answers here Perfect. <laughs> um what were some of the fond or like cute memories you you think back on and like giggle at like that's so funny. That's that's so nice.
1: Um, one of my favorite memories is <laughs> we were all eating dinner together, all five of us, mm-hmm. and my brother was probably like eleven, twelve, I don't know. We mm-hmm. were we were young. Mm-hmm. And he was singing and kind of like moving around energetically, and my parents are like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. And he starts bouncing up and down in his chair and he breaks the chair and yikes. falls right through. And I was howling I, And my parents are like, Oh my God. They're, they're so mad. They're like, what? And yeah. I just couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> and he was just, he was like, Oh no. <laughs> what so, have we yikes. done? <laughs> so we always, um, joked that he had a really sharp butt because he just punched right through the chair. So <laughs> that's one really happy memory. Uh-huh. Um, we had a lot, we had, we had a lot. I, I was very lucky that, you know, there there was a lot of love mm-hmm. in, our, in our house. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my mom making like all of my Halloween costumes. Nice. Like she hand sewed this whole outfit mm-hmm. so that I could be the tooth fairy. Like she made Aww. a dress, she made a cape, she made a bag for the teeth, mm-hmm. like all of that. Um, there's a picture of my sister as a mandrake, like from Harry Potter. Huh. She's like, you know, one year old and mm-hmm. she's in a pot and she's got like a little like plant on That's her head. Incredible. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we were, we were really cute and we played a lot of sports. Mm. We were always like, you know, hitting wiffle balls into our neighbor's yard <laughs> we'd like have to climb the fence and go get sure. it. And we'd be like, Oh my God. Did they like, um, and our neighbors on one side had like this incredible garden. It was so many rose bushes, like so, so many. And we kick a soccer ball over and like knock the rose bush. And I'd be like, oh my God, we're gonna die. (laughs) Like they're gonna kill us. (laughs) And we'd have to like sneak into their yard and like get it, it was, you know, trespassing all over the place. (laughs) But um, we were very athletic kids. I was always trying to keep up with my brother. He, uh, one time we were playing softball and he threw a pitch and it hit me right in the nose. Yikes! And I was wailing, I'm screaming, and my mom's like, what is wrong with you? What Uh, what were you doing? uh And he was like, it's not my fault, her strike zone is small. And I was like, I'm going to lose my mind. I (laughs) will murder you. It was my fault though, it was definitely my fault. (laughs) Having (laughs) a small strike zone. (laughs) I was like three feet tall, of course I had a small (laughs) strike zone. So that's funny now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, at the
0: time, you were not amused.
1: Oh my God, no! I yeah, was so yeah. sad. Oh dear.
0: Did you have a sense of like where your family fit in the in the sort of in the class strata, if you will?
1: Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was supposed to. I think Why do you say that? For my, for a while, my parents were kind of like, no, 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 no. Like, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're the adults. Yeah, yeah, we will handle it. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of just like nosy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like, mm, what? Sure. <laughs> what do adults talk about? Mm-hmm. Um and now I'm an adult and I'm like it's not fun here. <laughs> um. But yeah, I I definitely my dad was very adamant on being like Roz, you are lucky. Hmm. We are lucky. Mm. We have a roof over our head. We have food in our fridge. We have lights that are going to turn on whenever you want. Mm-hmm. And you have a full family here that's going to love every inch of you all the time. Mm. He was like, you are incredibly lucky because there are so many people that don't have that. Mm. And I always, you know was kind of like okay I'm seven (laughs) I don't really know what that means but I got it right um and after a while I was just like yeah I am because you know I I would drive around my own town and I would be like that's not the way that my house looks Mm. that's not the way my family looks Mm. my mom never talks to my dad that way Mm -hmm. you know that sort of thing and I was just like I I do feel the privilege. I do see it. Mm-hmm. I can I can understand what he meant when he said that. Mm-hmm. And I do I remember my parents very very uh deliberately keeping any financial stress away from us as kids. They Do you do you think that they had financial stress? Yes. What? I remember mm-hmm. hearing my mom kind of not arguing with my dad, but definitely having a heated discussion. Heated spirited unhappy conversation Mm. and the only thing i heard was we're about to not have any money to live on whoa or or it was either that or we won't have any money to live on huh and i heard that and i was like i gotta go (laughs) like it's time for me to time for me to leave because if i walk in i'll get kicked out anyway yeah 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 and i kind of heard that and i was like are they stressed out are they worried Mm. and that was my moment where i was like Oh my god, they're human too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, my yeah. parents have their own worries and their own stressors and um I didn't really think too much about it, but I remember that like there there are things from your childhood that just kind of like pop up yeah. in your mind from time to time and I'm just like that one sentence mm-hmm. I don't think it'll ever leave me because I was kind of just like they I don't know they did such a good job at hiding all of the stressful stuff mm. from me and my siblings mm-hmm. that even hearing that one bit, I was like, oh, there's a whole lot that I'm not hearing. Uh, but at every chance he could get, you know, every time we would sit down to eat together or we were, you know, doing something as a family, my dad would always say, we are so lucky. Hmm. And it's really important for us to understand mm-hmm. and um, be mindful mm-hmm. of that privilege that we have. And what do you think they were, what was going on at that
0: point when they, when you were ear hustling and heard that, that argument or, unhappy discussion what was going on with Ooh. your parents and the, the life of the family
1: well having three kids is not cheap. hard yeah. yeah and definitely not cheap yeah um and my dad had you know of course I knew none of this in the moment sure, and they sure, tell sure. me this now when mm-hmm. I'm like in my 20s but sure. they're like oh yeah we had like hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and I was because like, of what because of their because their of, like, yeah education ah yeah and my dad was a. I say was because he doesn't practice this anymore, mm-hmm. but he was an OBGYN, mm-hmm. which uh, meant that if one of his patients went into labor at two in the morning, yeah. he had to be Pop there up. Yeah. at two in the morning That's right. and you know, he would be there for however long the labor was. Yeah. That could be up to 48 hours, yeah. Yeah. Um, which meant 48 hours with no sleep mm-hmm. away from his three kids. Yeah. And meanwhile, my mom's working as an attorney mm. and trying to get her career you know going mm-hmm. and um keep everything afloat mm-hmm. and my dad got so sick at one point because he was so exhausted. overworked yeah, yeah, yeah he almost died wow of he got what? pneumonia <sighs> he was like 40 something wow as a young man he just he was, he was over he was he that was exerted, so exhausted uh-huh, uh-huh. he was so exhausted nice. and he was kind. Of, I, I think he had this realization where he was like, "I am not going to survive doing this. I need to figure out another way." Wow. To get this done. Uh-huh. Um, How old were
0: you when this happened?
1: Very young, probably like five. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe five, somewhere between five and seven. Uh-huh. I was very young, uh-huh. um, and I don't remember all of it. I just remember him being like completely knocked out in bed, and I was just kind of like, "What? Like, Wait, what's going what on with that? happening?" Mm-hmm. Um, And, uh, he changed positions like a a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, he was a medical director at different clinics. He was working, um, you know, at the hospital, he was all over the place and like the bane of his existence came down to his pager (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it would just go off Mm -hmm. whenever. Mm -hmm. Um, and our like running joke was, you know, like one day we're going to smash that pager. (laughs) Like we're going to take a hammer. We're just going to beat the shit out of it. And then that day came, uh-huh. and we were so excited, and we were so happy. When did the day come that you smashed the shit out of his pager? We didn't actually smash the shit out okay. of it, but we did buy him, like, a chocolate pager, and he was like, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> um, so it was it was our way. Mm-hmm. Um did he, he might still have it. Did he leave i don't know if this is the right term did
0: he leave the ob-gyn practice to like do like a family practice or something or yes family
1: medicine he did do family practice mm-hmm. for a while and he was also doing informatics so he was doing it what They're, is informatics like software systems oh. basically the whole computer setup for he the was hospital. building them or he was helping test them or what um i think he was doing operational stuff so just like day to day oh he was doing that and he was really good at it Uh so he stopped practicing medicine for informatics he was still doing family practice one day a week Mm -hmm. at um and he's still at the same clinic it's Mm -hmm. a clinic that does health care for people that don't have insurance Uh so he's there one day a week now Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah previously he was doing four days a week at the hospital in the informatics department and one day a week at this clinic mm-hmm. and then this company was like oh you're a doctor and you have an IT background mm-hmm. and you know the systems mm-hmm. we want to recruit you to be a consultant uh, and like would you move to Massachusetts to take this job offer oh, and he was that's like Worcester no, that was when we lived in New Hampshire at that point. And they gave him this job offer. And he was like, absolutely not. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha I'm not gotcha, relocating gotcha. my entire family for that yeah. salary and mm-hmm. that opportunity. Mm-hmm, no. Mm-hmm. And then they came back three years later and they were like, okay, what about this? Yeah. And you can work from home half the time and then commute in. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that's better. Yes. Oh, okay. that's so cool. it took him until he was like 50 mm-hmm. to really get this perfect position. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that point, you know, the kids were mostly out of the house and mm-hmm. growing up, mm-hmm. um, more able to kind of stand on our own and take sure. more care of ourselves. And my mom was able to progress through the ladder at her law firm. And she's now a partner there. What type of law does she practice? Telecommunications and, uh, probate. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes. And right. she's very, very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh my God. Nice. And it's kind of exhausting, excuse me, exhausting having, um, brother who's an attorney and a mom who's an attorney Mm -hmm. but like i'm so glad that they like me and that they're on my side because (laughs) (laughs) they're terrifying when they're not (laughs) on your side sure so yeah it but there was a lot of stress that i could see my parents experiencing Mm -hmm. when i was younger just Mm -hmm. because like this world is trash towards parents yeah especially you know, working parents (laughs) that are are trying to, they're trying to get themselves just, you know, in a situation where they can take care of their family. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I wouldn't say they did necessarily a great job of separating the stress from the way that they interacted with us, Mm -hmm. but I can't blame them for that because I like, if I were in their situation, I think I would do exactly the same as they did. Sure. Did the, did you
0: experience a did you experience a difference in the like energy of the home when the stress started to abate like yes. as your parents were able to come up yes what were how did you how were you able to experience those differences like describe what like were there little things that changed or were there just big things? like the tone of your parents' voice the like the rushing the impatience mm-hmm. the I don't know the the food that they were able to put on the table like what was the mm. describe how you experienced that difference.
1: The food, definitely, yeah. That it didn't really occur to me about that Mm -hmm. until I was like in my Mm -hmm. twenties. But I was just like, oh yeah, um, big switch. (laughs) Yes. What what do you mean? (laughs) Um, We, I, I, you know, I was just, I was a kid, so I was like fuck yeah fish sticks yeah. <laughs> we're having fucking fish sticks I was so excited I was like we're having fish sticks for dinner!" Oh, Ross. and I'd be like look mom I can like I'm a walrus yeah, and yeah. I would like put them in my in mouth and I'd be like look at me yeah. <laughs> and you know I was talking to a friend recently and talking about that and she was like oh my god I'm so sorry that you went through that as a family and I was like uh, went through work w- yeah. it was fine yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and there was a lot of a lot of Kraft mac and cheese mm-hmm. but again I was a kid and I yeah. was like fuck yeah Kraft yeah. mac and cheese sure. like I'm having the best time of my life <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna make grilled cheese we're mm. gonna make you know all of this stuff that mm. I think is awesome mm-hmm. and my mom is a great cook mm-hmm. I don't care if it's coming out of a box it tastes good right right, right. <laughs> and um then you know when I when my dad started getting you know these new positions. My mom started getting these new positions. It was like, oh, we're shopping at the farmer's market now. Uh, we're getting, like, fresh produce. Mm. We're buying all these cookbooks. We're, my dad's, like, experimenting with recipes. Mm. And there was a, oh, the big, biggest shift probably was the division of labor totally switched up. Ah, uh, from Be- what to what? So my mom was doing the majority of, like, housework, mm-hmm. cooking, cleaning, that sort of stuff. And once my dad got this new position, um, and my mom became a partner and Mm -hmm. started taking on, even before my mom was a partner, um, my it it just went complete inverse. So Mm. my dad started doing all the cooking. Mm. Weekdays he cooked every week, Mm. he still does that. Every day of the week he cooks, Mm -hmm. and if my mom wants to cook on the weekends, she will. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of people, like a lot of coworkers that my dad um, had and have today, would be like, "Don't you feel like she took something away from you?" Mm. like, don't you feel emasculated?" Mm. And he's like, "My wife makes a fuck ton of money." Yeah, so I feel great about the entire yeah, that's thing right. I am happy with yeah. it all, all right um, she got me barefoot and yeah. <laughs> pregnant in the house now. Yeah. He's like, I'll do whatever sure. because she's really fucking good at making money. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was a big switch. Uh-huh. And he didn't even like bat an eye. He was like, oh yeah, this is what I'm gonna do now. Yeah, <laughs> like right. this is I, this is the role that I play. She's still the bread breadwinner of Um, the tuna? I don't know, actually. Or she was for a time. I think she might have been for a time, mm-hmm. but also. He just understood that he was able to do his job from home and have like more distinct times yeah. when he was at work versus not at work. Mm-hmm. Whereas her job was more like she could work for 24 hours straight and still not get everything done that uh-huh. she needs to uh-huh. do. Uh-huh. And she's so disciplined that she will just literally sit down and not get up until she finishes a task. Uh-huh. And at times we're like, Mom, it's eight o'clock at night. You got to come home. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. And she'll be like, Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm on the way. I'm mm-hmm. like, Yeah, okay. <laughs> but it it definitely was like a mindset shift for him where he was like, in order for her to do her job in the best of her ability, I need to take on X, Y, and Z uh, and I will do it uh, without question. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but there, and I don't, I honestly, I'm like, I don't know how my parents did this with three of us, mm. um, you know, and us having the audacity to be like, what's for dinner? <laughs> like, we're just being little assholes all the time. Um, but there, there was a big shift in, the way that we, and maybe this is also due to aging, but in the way that we like spoke to each other and the way that we engaged with each other, hmm. um, I could tell that once the stress resided, they became a lot more gentle toward us as ah, kids. Uh uh-huh. Um, there were a lot of things I'm, I'm sure they would agree too. There were a lot of things that were said to me, to my siblings that were just from a pure place of stress. Sure. And those stress, were yeah. incredibly hurtful things. there yeah. were a lot of hurtful things that mm-hmm, were said mm-hmm. um and now I'm like that's unthinkable, given their current mindset sure. and where they're at right sure. now
0: sure so so am I understanding
1: yeah. you to say that you you now as an adult, you
0: understand that during the the stressful period of uh your parents' uh, career that coincided with their child rearing, there were things that looking back now like that were said that like not good not great not good at all harmful hurtful um but but that was a result of you know your parents being you know under chronic stress financially probably time-wise as well um but now but when when the change happened when the shift happened in terms of their career prospects or uh the money that they were able to make and probably the debt that they had paid off Mm -hmm. uh, that's because it's two parts of the equation here um like that's when thing they they the improvement of their stress translated into their improvement, the improvement of how gentle they were to their children or or careful in, in their words and in yeah. their approach. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. I and, think that's important to like remember like when you yeah. l- like, you know, a lot of times like, you know, idiots on the fucking internet. We're all idiots on the internet, but like, mm. you know, you, you know, you see someone like fussing at a kid, sniping at a kid or being maybe a little harsh than you as a non-parent would be. And it's just like, I oh, don't look at this terrible thing. But it's also like, Okay. Don't know what they're going you don't through. know what that person is going through to be able to hold it together for themselves yeah. and for that child or for those children. That's not to say that like, you know, everything has to be excused, but also put it in context. Like right. people aren't people aren't you know quote bad parents. They're in like yeah. tough ass situations anyway. Yeah, ahead, sorry.
1: yeah. There was I. Oh my god, how old was I? Probably eleven, mm. maybe. Um, this was a really weird day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I. In terms of like the stress and like just the way that we talked to each other, mm-hmm. um, and what that looked like, like, I, I remember I was getting ready to go, I was in fifth grade, I was getting ready to go to school, I'd eaten breakfast, and I, um, I, I don't remember what I had for breakfast, but um, my mom was like, Okay, put all the dishes in the dishwasher, all of the dishes in the dishwasher. Mm. Like, I swear to God, if you don't put the dishes in the dishwasher, I'm going to lose my mind. Mm. And I was just like, okay, Mm -hmm. what? And I was like, I'm just trying to go to school. Yeah. Um, and I did not put all the dishes in the dishwasher. I left a spoon out. I left it on the counter. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was upstairs and I was like brushing my teeth, getting ready. My dad comes into the bathroom and he's like, did you leave the spoon on the counter? And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, did you leave the spoon on the counter? Was that you? I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, why? Mm-hmm. And he was like, you need to get downstairs right now. Like, you, you need to get downstairs. Mm-hmm. And my mom is just sobbing at our kitchen table, just sobbing. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? It's a spoon, mom. Yeah. I know. And I was, the, the only thing that was going through my mind was, it's a spoon. Right it was not about the spoon. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And she was like, I feel like I'm just tugging and tugging and I'm pulling everything and I'm carrying everything and it's not enough. I uh, can't do it all. Uh, I mean, I just can't keep doing it mm. and she's just sobbing mm. at the table. And my dad's like, you need to pull it together. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I love you. I know. It's you hard. need to pull it together. Mm. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Kate, I love you. I love you. Mm-hmm. I love you. Mm. Pull it together. And she's like, you don't get it. And mm-hmm. I was just like, it's a spoon. Right, 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 right. I'm like, I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember like the whole day I was just like fucked up by that image. I was like, oh my of god. Of your mother what just, have I she done? just fell apart. Yeah. I mm-hmm. was like, what have I done? Oh my god. I've I ruined her entire day. Mm-hmm. i was like, oh my God, why didn't I just put the spoon in? And I was just like, What the fuck is wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And I had a club meeting that was gonna be at my house after school that day Mm -hmm. and everybody in my club, I was like, you all better be fucking nice to my mom. (laughs) You all have to be nice. Like be nicer than you thought you could be like, just (laughs) find it in you. Yeah, that's right. And they were all like, okay. (laughs) And then we got to my house and I was, I was like, all right, everyone places, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do it. Exactly the way we (laughs) practice. Yeah. (laughs) And we walk in and she's like, Hey, like nothing happened. and I was just like, what who yeah yeah who's this I'm lady really lost uh-huh. but it was like like that's a clear example of me being like it wasn't about the spoon no. it was about everything else that yeah, was going on right. and the fact that one teeny thing fell out of place mm-hmm. just set off this whole chain reaction mm-hmm. and it in those moments i feel like it was jarring because I'm a kid and I'm like, Oh my God, my parents are human. Yeah. How is this possible? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how did I miss this fact yeah, for so yeah, long? Yeah. Um, and I think it's kind of fan or, or kind of fascinating that my instinct was, I need to figure out how to take care of my mom <laughs> in mm-hmm. this scenario. Yeah. Like what can I do in order to be there for her in mm-hmm. order to make everything easier for her? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do To just figure this out Mm. so that she's not stressed out anymore. Like Mm -hmm. that was my impulse, and I'm kind of like, wow, okay, Mm. that that was that was a nice gesture. Mm. Um, she handled it, I guess. Mm. But it it was it's so weird having those realizations because it's like, oh my god, you're a mortal person and Mm. you feel everything. And Mm -hmm. I thought that you were like, I thought that nothing ever phased you. Yeah, that's right yeah Hmm. definitely phased
0: the responsibility in that task at the time for you meant what being quieter always making sure you got that goddamn spoon in the dishwasher (laughs) like what
1: um disappearing oh that's a good question i guess it meant controlling what i could control which was usually myself yeah and my own behaviors
0: or didn't eat yeah
1: um and making sure that that actively took stuff off other people's plates ah that's the connection yeah. to i see mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, yeah. to making yourself
1: smaller oh yes ah um and i still do that to this day you know uh-huh. in, in and i'm i'm getting better at catching myself about sure, it sure. the practice of not doing it is proving to be harder than i thought of but course, course. my my impulse is always to be like oh okay i see that you're experiencing x y and z how can i tuck this part of me away mm. or like present this part of me up for free yeah. as an offering mm. so that you cannot be in this place ha. and a lot of people in my life have been like stop yeah, do <laughs> like that. what are you doing yeah, 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 yeah. don't do not fold yourself into these shapes or just like chop off parts of yourself and give them away yeah like, huh. none of neither of those are acceptable or healthy or necessary and i'm just like oh my god but i've been that's all i've been doing that's all i know, <laughs> how, to <laughs> to all I know how to do mm. um you know middle mm. child oldest daughter yeah. i knew how to I knew how to give care, and I knew how to get out of the way. Ah, so those were the two things where I was like, "Yeah, I'm excellent at this." Mm-hmm. But those aren't things that allow my authentic self to shine. Ah, how would you describe
0: your parents' politics or the politics of your community uh, growing up?
1: Ooh, mixed bag, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were always liberal. Mm-hmm. They were very much like, vote Democrat, Mm -hmm. we uh, hate George Bush, and we think the war in Iraq is the stupidest thing ever. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about it, Mm -hmm. but not too much, and we don't want to offend people, so we might not bring it up around these folks. So they were polite liberals. Very polite. Okay. And I kind of took that and I was like, why would you not talk about it if it's that fucked up? Mm. Like what, you know, mm-hmm. if it's that fucked up, then maybe you should say something to the mm. person who thinks that it's okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that, that's that's pretty indicative of our relationship right now because we've had a lot mm. of conversations where I'm like, no, you're you're like, you're, you're this close. Yeah. Like, you're almost there, but yeah. like, take, please one more step. Please, what is What are some dead. things where they're they're this close? We've had a lot of conversations. I'm also like I'm not an expert and I'm relatively new to this. Um no, we don't we are, are <laughs> but, abolishing experts on this podcast. So excellent. Ahead, well, well I'm it. glad you said abolishing, because I was gonna segue into that. So <laughs> um I have talked with them a lot about prison abolition hmm. and police abolition, hmm. and that's not a super fun topic. To bring up with them especially because my brother's a prosecutor ah so hey. i'm just kind of like and actually i'm glad that this was said at one point but my dad's best friend um told my brother like um my kids are raging leftists, mm. radical leftists and they're going to tell you that you don't deserve to have the job that you do. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm glad that y'all said it. Yeah, because right. <laughs> if I said it, we would have fought. Yeah, but that's right. if you say it, he won't yeah, talk back. Yeah. He'll, he'll so great. It. Yeah. Um and that that's always something where I'm like, yeah, you are we're not talking about my brother, but I'm, yeah. you know, I'm always like, yeah, you you Say all of the right things, and at the end of the day, you are still law enforcement. You know? uh, when did you come to prison
0: abolition and And when you came to it? did you immediately did you immediately begin discussing it, debating it, bringing it up, highlighting it to your family of origin or
1: um, I would say I came to prison abolition when I was probably like exiting college i i really had to think because with a lot of the work that i was doing with Mm -hmm. sexual violence Mm -hmm. like the only solution people Ah, had was the court system and the carceral system Uh uh and it was kind of like if this person's a rapist they go to jail Uh that's the solution Ah. so being in that field Mm -hmm. and being an abolitionist, you have to sit with some like really uncomfortable okay. thoughts. Don't we'll, we'll we're pause gonna on get we'll get there. We'll pause on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna double tap but on that. Mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. this summer, I was you know, with so many political uprisings and yeah. protests. Yeah. I was like, All right, mom and dad, now's the time now to talk about it. Time. We're having the conversation. Right. Police shouldn't exist. And so they you had like, that
0: conversation <laughs> just with your parents or with your prosecutor ass brother as well? Oh
1: yeah, he's there. Okay. He's right. there. Okay. And he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not uh-huh. really saying anything to back me up uh-huh. and my sister's also like uh-huh. but not saying anything I'm nodding uh, okay. I'm, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a podcast people yeah. can't see me <laughs> I'm nodding um, you know they're nodding and I'm kind of like you know, spouting off and uh-huh. I'm like no mom mm-hmm. no dad mm-hmm. like we don't need them I was relating it back to my work and I was like the number two form of violence by police is sexual violence ah. so that's why I am interested in abolishing the police
0: uh- we're gonna we're gonna park right there in part two. Uh huh.
1: Yeah, and I was like, that's that's my connection, uh-huh. and I was like, I don't need to speak for anybody. I just need you all to go out and watch the people that are speaking at these different demonstrations, at these protests, and just hear what they say and really breathe life into it in your own I life. See, I see. So police, go ahead. No, go ahead. no, and I it was a frustrating conversation because it like there's always this question of like. What about the bad people? Mm-hmm. What do we do for safety? Mm-hmm. Because we've never really known anything other than That's this right. police state. That's right. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I know. Mm-hmm. I know that these questions are there. I'm not minimizing them. they're valid them. questions. They're very valid questions. Mm-hmm. And I've been very clear about the fact that, like, the most important aspect of the abolition field is imagination. Come on. And is imagining yeah. that there is a possible world yeah, that we possible could create. otherwise. Yeah. We yeah. don't have to live this That's way. Right. If people built this, nah. people can take it apart Come too. On. Yeah. yeah. So that that was kind of my whole spiel with them. And at the very least I planted a seed. Yeah. We haven't really broached the conversation of gender and gender identity. Hmm. And I've kind of like hinted at the fact that I am somewhere on the gender fluid spectrum. Can I ask you what that means? I have um, quarantine to thank for this realization because <laughs> I had so much time to sure. sit with myself. <laughs> sure. Um, but I basically I kind of I forced myself to kind of interrogate like what attaches me to womanhood and why. Okay. And I was like, I actually don't really feel an attachment to womanhood what all the does, time. What
0: what does it what does womanhood mean to you? And what does an attachment to that mean to you?
1: I don't even know if I have a good answer no, no. for that. And I you, feel like a lot of a I don't want to generalize, but no, I do feel you. like a lot of cis women will um, will say that they identify as a woman because they can have kids or because mm-hmm. they have periods mm-hmm. or, um, because they have, you know, certain genitalia. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's, n-, I was like, I, I get that I was assigned female at birth, but I don't, I don't feel that attachment. I don't, I never felt Because that. that attachment would mean blank, fill in the blank. Oh, I feel like i haven't thought all the way through this on my own but mm. <laughs> we're doing it yeah. um i guess that that attachment would make me a woman let
0: me help you out here <laughs> do you what is what you're what i think you're saying what you're not saying is that that attachment would over over determine your behavior as a person and how you go through the world
1: yes and kind is of that what like you mean? determine my destiny in ah. this world. and that's that's not I know that's not true. Like I always huh. knew that that wasn't true
0: because your destiny is more capacious than coming down to the fact that you may or may not have the ability to have kids or the desire. Your 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 destiny is more capacious than, you know, your your genitalia. Your is that what
1: I'm is that what I'm understanding? Yes. I always felt like myself and my identity was out of the bounds that have been set. Um, it was out of the boundaries that I felt like have been set in terms of womanhood. And I feel very connected to, you know, femininity for sure. I feel very much like femininity is, uh, an important part of me. What does,
0: what does femininity mean to you?
1: Um, I guess kind of like uncoupling it from, you know, biological sex. Because, Fe- oh, well, <laughs> um, or because, man. or in what ways? I guess, and I'm not being uh, an. I hope you no, know I'm no, not no. being an asshole. No, this is just a very
0: interesting. You're Making me think. It's a. It's, <laughs> it's it's interesting because yeah, I think I think I'll tell you why I think. But go ahead, go ahead.
1: Me defining my own version of femininity should be left up to me, okay. and that um, that shouldn't be dependent on. Anything that uh, was, you know, it shouldn't be dependent on the sex that I was assigned at birth, and it feels because femininity
0: is a ch- is is something is a choice that someone can step into or or uh, express. Yes, is that is that is, is am I understanding you to say that correctly? I mean, yes. am I understanding correctly that that is what you're saying?
1: Yes, and okay. I, I feel comfortable mm-hmm. with my expression of my femininity. I see, but it's on my terms at right. this point.
0: Whereas you feel uncomfortable with with assuming some idea of womanhood because that feels burdensome, that feels like not a choice. That feels that feels like you relinquish some
1: some manner of agency or choice. Yes, ah. um, and it feels like kind of the binary that's being presented as male, female, mm-hmm. man, woman, mm-hmm. it is kind of like you you either have to be in one or you have to be in the other. Mm-hmm. And there's no... And it, it is predetermined, you know, in the <laughs> way that people... I don't say predetermined in that, like, it's unchangeable. Mm-hmm. I mean that our society treats it as predetermined. You know, transphobia <laughs> teaches us that we can only live in these binary lives.
0: <laughs> but... This is fascinating.
1: That's not Mm. the way that humans are ever meant to function. Mm -hmm. Humans have always contained way more than just two options in terms of who they are and um, how they they move through the world. Yeah, yeah. 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 And um, one of the, this is kind of a tangent, but one of the coolest things I ever heard was um, a physicist explaining that the very particles that make up all the matter in the universe mm-hmm. are non-binary mm-hmm. by nature, mm. um, because they're constantly existing out of this um, out of this either-or notion. Mm. They're always um, they're they're never in you know a one of two option mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. So how could we as humans be putting ourselves into one of two categories when the Why very particles that's that's that very... make us up,
0: yeah, yeah, sure. are
1: not putting themselves. But even that two is a very narrow
0: Western conception of being. Like what I find so interesting, and I'm not hear me because I I, I want to understand because it what you're saying sounds foreign to me. But I think, and when I've thought about this, I think that's because I think uh, in the West, particularly white people in the West, uh, they because of um, because of the need to order society. Uh, In order for you know uh capital uh, a capitalist patriarchal racist misogynist the the whole thing for the the whole thing thing to work
1: uh you need an oppressed class not an oppressed class
0: you need you need you need a very restrictive categories boxes into which people can be slotted so that you know then i know how to treat you then i know you know legally how to classify you or what in what I permit you to do, yeah. not do, how much violence, state violence, It'll or be coded interpers- this way. That's right. Yeah. But but as a, it, in in because that's that's how the the that's how many white people in the West understand existence or being that that is very foreign to me because like I absolutely as a as a as a black woman that is absolutely not. Those are, that is absolutely not how, not how I understand things. So, so that, so when I, so when I hear sometimes, you know, that it's just kind of like, huh? It's like, yeah, I'm a woman, but that doesn't mean that I can't, you know, fart, cuss, yell, (laughs) you know, be loud, make a man my bitch, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. cetera, Because there's not, because, because black people, particularly black people in the West, like, like. That when we were stolen and brought here, like there was one class of black people and that was enslaved. Like women were not treated any differently than the men. You know, we had, to, women had to bore the whip, of the lash of the whip, just as men. Like there was no, there was no gendering mm-hmm. of black people. And yeah. in in many ways, in many ways, there still isn't. So, yeah. so I, so it, that's why it's, it's kind of strange to me to hear like, to not strange i i don't have the same understanding of it as mm-hmm. you so i'm not saying that you're right it's just it's it's different because we have a, we have very different social and political locations yeah. in understandings of 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 gender and and existing as a gendered being whereas like i i do not like i'm i'm <laughs> if you, were, if, you were to, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you were to like if you were to meet like my good friends, you know, people who've known me for years, like, it's not a joke because it's true, but it is a joke. But it's just like, yeah, Janelle's mostly a dude, like, uh, and, <laughs> but that's, you know, but I'm not, I'm not trans as such, you know, like, I'm not, I don't, I don't desire to live as a man. It's just that which we code as mm. feminine and masculine behavior. I, like, I, I am able to um, exhibit and act out both, but that, but, but. But these are, but these are, these are shifting, um, these are shifting, uh, shifting ideas in being. Like you know, mm-hmm. five hundred years ago, like men were wore heels, mm-hmm. like and that absolutely would not, and that, wigs. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> yeah. and that would be coded as feminine today. Yeah. But back then, that was viewed as like the height of masculinity. So these are shifting designations. Um, so of course, like you know, whatever it is at any given moment, like is not, is not, is not, um, is not fully, cannot fully capture who you are because people don't Mm -hmm. live as, you know, rigid categories. You understand? I don't, I don't know if any of that is making sense.
1: All of that made a lot of sense. But I just, I think I'm 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 glad you brought that up too.
0: Yeah. It's just, I'm, it's all, it's just very interesting. And, and I think that your explanation of, um, uh, maybe being having some discomfort with the notion or a conception of womanhood because that shouldn't determine your destiny. I think mm. some people hear that and I think some people would hear that and say like, okay, if that's the case for you, that's fine. But why would you assume that I feel the same way and mm. that I have to fit inside of your conception or the logics that you employ in coming to that conclusion. Do you understand oh, what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's where some of the like the 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 friction or butting of heads or the distaste for some of these conversations. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it's right that people I'm not saying it's right or wrong that people have a kind of like a visceral reaction of like wait, what the fuck? But I'm just saying I think it's
1: I think that might be what it is. So, backing up. <laughs> like backing all the way back up um boop, boop, back yep. it up. Mm-hmm. yes just she reverse. goes yes yes we're backing it up <laughs> um so i i thought this was an interesting tack that i took when i was still in high school and i was kind of like figuring out like okay I'm i'm a teenager and you know teenage boys are doing that and teenage girls are doing that and that and <laughs> what and i'm just like trying to figure everything out i'm looking at the landscape mm-hmm. and i was just like well I'm a girl Mm. and I'm mad about a lot of things Mm. because, um, you know, I, at that point I was like forming a rudimentary understanding of like what a wage gap was Uh and what sexual harassment was and what sexual assault was Mm. very rudimentary. Mm. But I was like, these things exist and patriarchy affects everybody, but it affects people that are women, especially. And I'm like putting two and two together and, we did a project for my English class where it was like, you had to pick an emotion Mm. and it was a multimedia project. So you could do like any type of media you want. Mm -hmm. Um, But it all had to be connected back to that emotion as the theme. Uh And I was like, I'm going to do anger. Mm. And then I was like, I'm going to do this a little bit differently. Cause everyone had just like a one word emotion. Uh They're like, I'm going to do, um, you know, uh, happiness or Mm. I'm going to do excitement. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to do women's anger. Mm. (laughs) And I was just like, this is going to be fun. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to have a great time with this. Mm -hmm. And it was like a recipe, like one of the things I did was a recipe for women's anger. Mm. And it was at like catcalling and um you know getting paid 70 cents to a dollar and so on and so forth and Mm -hmm. you know looking back I'm like I have a much deeper understanding Mm -hmm. of you know patriarchy and the way the white cis hat patriarchy works Mm -hmm. but in that moment I was kind of like I had this inkling that like you know there was this system set up that was going to benefit one group of people over another Mm -hmm. and that never really left that kind of like That stayed, Mm. and that guided a lot of the things that I did moving forward, but I was very lost in high school, I will admit that. What do you mean when you say that? I definitely fell into peer pressure many times. Regarding? um, I was like, well, I'm a girl and I'm young and I'm cute, so I need to date a boy. Mm. Otherwise, if I'm not getting male attention, then I'm trash. Ah, mm -hmm. So I was like, I I need to be dating someone. Mm -hmm. And that mindset of like, I just need to be dating Mm -hmm. a man Mm -hmm. uh, led me into a lot of fucked up situations because I was dating men that were not actually invested in my well-being as a person. Ah. Um, And like, there was one guy I dated... Big trigger warning for sexual violence, but he ended up sexually assaulting me. Wow! And it took me six years to unpack that. Wow! And I was just like, I, I, I'm not saying it was my fault. I want to be very clear about that. Yeah. But yeah. I was so desperate to be um, receiving attention and to feel wanted uh. that I threw myself into this situation that mm. ended up being wildly toxic and harmful. Ah. So. Um, looking back I'm like that's the responsibility part that I need to bear like mm-hmm. I walked in willingly mm. to this very toxic situation I don't deserve what happened no, to me no, no, nor do not. I deserve what happened in my other emotionally abusive relationship sure, like sure. I don't deserve that either right. but I was so driven by this idea of like I just am so desperate to mm. feel wanted and mm. loved by and validated yeah by, by, by men the, yeah, uh-huh. that I would do basically anything Uh, and put myself in any situation uh which in hindsight put me in some awful spots Uh, and that really ruled my my whole headspace during (laughs) my high school years Mm -hmm. I was just like oh this guy fucked me over well Uh, I'm sad about it on to the next one because I can't be without male attention Uh, uh uh like you know I can't you know and during I have this a sense time, of worth by myself, sure, sure. you know,
0: you couldn't endure during this time in high school, you couldn't even countenance. You, you couldn't even countenance the idea of dating a girl. Like you were, you weren't, you completely suppressed oh my God. or repressed the fact that you, um, were a once in future lesbian, you know, what I, you
1: know what I mean? Yeah. Um, suppressed, repressed, pummeled mm-hmm. into a tiny, tiny, tiny pulp. Mm. Yeah, that definitely happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I def I've, knew i was attracted Hmm. to women Mm -hmm. and i would just be like that's a nope no gay thoughts (laughs) i'm like oh my god (laughs) it's just like absolutely no (sighs) i just did not sit with it i was like no 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 no, we can't do that yeah that's not it you are a woman Mm. you are going to date a man Mm. and you're going to like it Mm -hmm. and i was like i don't like this so (laughs) i really don't like it (laughs) I wish
0: you all could see her face right now. Oh my God. Uh, Uh, But
1: I I guess my like real aha moment came in that aspect when I was like, I was dating a man who like on paper, he was a great guy. He was great. He was smart. He was a great listener. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, he was, he was attractive. Mm -hmm. Um, He had ambition. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, this is An excellent, excellent partner. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be with him. Mm -hmm. Mm I want to. I want to go sleep with her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. that was my. And I was just like, God damn it! Why can't we have nice things? (laughs) Um, Uh But anywho, yeah. So in high school, I was, you know, like, you know, teenage boys are. They say weird things. Like, you know, they would be like oh, you know, would you ever have a threesome? Like, Mm -hmm. what about with this girl? Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, I would have sex with her, but not you there. Can you not be there? Can we figure that out so you're actually not in the room?
0: But I'll mention you and maybe we could consider that a threesome.
1: (laughs) If you cross my mind, does it mean you were there? Yeah, but (laughs) so (laughs) it was just Uh. kind of like. That was the extent of it where I was yeah. like, oh, man, mm-hmm. she's beautiful, and I would I would really love to be with her. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Bye. We're done. Right. Back, go. To, back to back I'm going to go have sex with my very male boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was just – it was not a comfortable space because mm-hmm. I was just – like, I was just – it was – It must have been really hard to watch too, Mm. because I'm sure people were watching this and being like, "Dude, the fuck are you doing with yourself? Like, figure it out." Mm. And I had friends who were like, "That guy's not respecting you. Mm. He's using you." Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, "But he's my boyfriend." Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, um, I remember I was trying to I was trying to break up with one boyfriend because he had he had done a lot of messed up stuff, and he turned out to be a very very shitty person. And um, he, uh, the last straw kind of came when he was like, I can't believe that you would choose your friends over me. Oh, fuck off. And I was like, I'm so done. Yeah. Like this is, the, the last straw was like, Two years ago yeah that's right we're I'm so tired at this point yeah you know and I'm talking with my friends and they're I'm like I need to break up with him mm-hmm. and they were like well finally yeah, oh my that's god, right. We've been waiting. long yeah, enough that's right. welcome yeah oh, welcome. and you know they're like joking about it and I'm like this isn't a joke <laughs> like I'm so I can't do it and yeah. you know it's like oh my god I had no other choice but to do it mm. but It was like, it was so. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it other than it was just like so deeply ingrained that if I wasn't receiving and seeking out male attention, then Mm. I was just a waste of space. Ah. And it was like such a toxic message to repeat onto myself. And I never thought to break that cycle until it felt like it was way, way, way down the line. I see. I see. I see. And now at this point, I'm like, I I do not ever Mm -hmm. want to give any cishet man's opinion mm-hmm. any kind of power over mm-hmm. me but like, is it just head
0: re- men what do you want to give
1: anybody any
0: anybody's thoughts and ideas power over you
1: um no mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. i think with that specifically i'm like you have allowed you allowed that you know group of people to dictate your happiness for a very long time mm-hmm. but you need to expand it but it wasn't just, just it
0: wasn't just if we're being honest and i'm not i'm I'm projecting, but I, I'm projecting a little bit, but it wasn't just cis men. Oh no, it was because it's also the expectations of women around you that want oh to God, reproduce yeah. this and this reinforce dynamic. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it wasn't just men that you were concerned with. It was also the women in your life yes. that 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 will you know that will either withhold praise or or some sort of idolatry towards you or give it to you based on your proximity to a man. So it's not yeah. just the dude part. That's it's very true. It's both.
1: Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's, it's harder. (laughs) That's a harder pill to swallow too. But you got to. But you really do have to because it's like that. Because
0: if you, if you have an understanding of patriarchy as a pervasive, um, inescapable system, that necessarily means that women, they play a part. Yes.
1: So, I mean. And after a while I was like this, if I continue doing this, Mm. I'll just keep chipping away and away mm-hmm. and away mm-hmm. at myself mm-hmm. and eventually i won't be here anymore uh, i won't exist yeah. i will have just completely like fossilized <laughs> yeah, into yeah. something else mm-hmm. that, I, that I won't be a living breathing thing i'll just mm-hmm. be like you know i will i won't have any semblance of myself anymore <laughs>
0: Let me just say this, I know that that episode with her mom freaking out about the spoon left an indelible mark because homegirl's house was immaculate. Do you hear me? Like spotless, not a spoon in sight. (laughs) Uh, All right, see you tomorrow.